What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. Peeps, and welcome to episode 80 of the Fretzelmania podcast, WWE Vengeance 2002, featuring a triple threat main event for the undisputed title, pitting The Rock versus Kurt Angle versus the undisputed champion, The Undertaker, Triple H, is being recruited by both Raw and SmackDown, Eric Bischoff, Stephanie McMahon. Whose side is he on? Brock Lesnar versus RVD for the Intercontinental Championship and the pay-per-view debut of John Cena. Now, from now on, when I go into pay-per-view reviews on the Fretzelmania podcast, I'm going to be bringing in an old segment. And those of you that uh, have or had been subscribed to our Patreon will be very, very familiar with this. And it is called the 20 Bell Salute. In the 20 Bell Salute, I would go in-depth on the pop culture and the wrestling for the show, but for the sake of time and for the sake that this is a wrestling podcast, I'm going to be giving you a very, very condensed version of the show and then go into what other wrestling was going on in July of 2002. Now, if you excuse me for a moment, it is July 2002 and welcome to the 20 bell salute segment of this Fretzelmania. In theaters, we have a Disney movie based on a ride. That is, of course, The Country Bears, based on the Country Bear Jamboree, a historic ride and piece of Disneyland. This was a computer animated film starring the voices of Christopher Walken, Diedrich Bader, and Haley Joel Osment. This is a all-bear country rock band that disbanded in 1991 after years of popularity. Barry Barrington, very creative name, is a preteen bear adopted and raised by a human family. Feels different, so this is just basically a coming-together movie about country bears. Also, we have the final so far movie in the Austin Powers franchise with Goldmember. This of course is starring Mike Myers, Beyonce Knowles, Seth Green, Michael York, Robert Wagner, Mindy Sterling, Vern Troyer, and Michael Caine. And what is arguably the worst movie 
in Goldmember, a lot of the stuff was actually really, really dated by the time this movie came out. The humor just wasn't there. It was throwing the same old shit at the wall, and it's kind of dated at this point in time. Also, The Crocodile Hunter had a movie at this point, and I think, unless I got my dates wrong, Big Fat Greek Wedding came out, but, you know, we all know what that movie is. Uh, not very good, in <laughs> my opinion. In music, we had By The Way by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, a truly historic album, as it was around the time Anthony Kiedis was becoming clean. This features uh, such hits as By The Way, Universally Speaking, Dosed, The Zephyr Song, and of course, my personal favorite from it, Can't Stop, as well as Linkin Park's Reanimation, a remix album of various Linkin Park hits up to that point in time. And in video games, we had Warcraft 3 and Soul Calibur 2. Soul Calibur 2 is very, very noteworthy for each of its console versions having different secret characters, whereas the GameCube edition had Link. The Xbox edition had Spawn, and allegedly Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII was originally going to be intended for the PS2 version, but was replaced by Spawn. And that is it for this edition of the Fretzel not the Fretzelmania podcast, <clears throat> the 20 Bell Salute. See you in August. Also, during July 2002, there had been weekly TNA pay-per-views, but you get my synopsis of them when I go through SmackDown. When I go for pay-per-view reviews, you're going to be seeing what else has been going on in the world of wrestling, and, you know, WWE is not the only game in town. Uh, Ring of Honor had just been starting to put on pay-per-views earlier in the year, and July 2002 was no different on the 27th of 02 at the Murphy Rec Center in Philly, just a, another historic arena in the world of wrestling. This one for ROH, who actually just had Death Before Dishonor 2002, and one of my personal favorites, you know, Claudio Castagnoli, FKA Cesaro, is now the champion. That's. Man, that's so good. I love it. But back here in 02, this was an event that uh, my good brother, uh, Kyle, from the Apron Bumpin' podcast, actually reviewed. Kyle, if you're hearing this, uh, it's about time we get back into some collabing, bud. Cheers. So we had Crowning a Champion, and this was. You know, crowning the first ROH champion, we had, I think we had a tournament leading up to this, and uh, man, what we had to crown the first champion was just absolutely insane. But the undercard here, we had Tony Mamaluke defeating Jeremy Lopez, Christian York and Joy Matthews, accompanied by Alexis Lurie, defeated Prince Nana and Jacob Ladder. I can't get any info on Jacob Ladder. Michael Shane and Biohazard defeated Paul London and Don Juan. That is actually on the Please Don't Die Best of Paul London DVD that I own. Very good. Very good DVD. The Hit Squad, Mafia, and Monster Mac. One of, if not both of which, have been featured on Apron Bump, defeated Divine Storm, that is, Chris Divine and Quiet Storm, just a 
underrated tag team. James Maritato, a.k.a. Little Guido, a.k.a. Nunzio, defeated Jay Briscoe, who was accompanied by his brother Mark. The Natural Born Sinners, Homicide and Boogaloo, defeated the Carnage Crew, H.C. Loke and Tony DeVito. H.C. Loke, also a guest on Apron Bump. In an X-Division Championship match on a Ring of Honor show, AJ Styles defeated Adam Jacobs and perennial loser David Young in a triple threat match. The Ring Crew Express, my God, just listen to Kyle talk about these guys (laughs) on Apron Bump. Dunn and Marcos and Mike Tobin with Danny Drake defeated Brian XL, Dixie, and Black Gordman Jr. with Izzy. And I can't remember the name of this particular tag team, but it has something to do Special K, I think it was. It has something to do with drugs. It's like Special K. No, wait, that's cereal. Hang on, that's something else. Uh, Scoot Andrews defeated Xavier. And in the main event, we had a fatal four-way 60-minute Iron Man match. Let that sink in for a second. He got a fatal four-way match, Iron Man style. It's kind of hard to wrap my head around, but apparently this was a damn good match. So to crown the first ROH champion, we had low-key defeating Christopher Daniels, Doug Williams, and Brian Kendrick to crown the first ever champion. And to be a fly on the wall for that match, I'd have been gone. I'd have been gone for that. Maybe I'll watch it one of these days. It's uh, pretty damn good. I mean, Kendrick's been in the news this year. We all know why. We don't need. We don't need to divulge into it here. But wow, that's. That's insane. Like, early Ring of Honor has some good stuff, but it also has the Ring Crew Express and Special K. Just ask Kyle. So, Vengeance 2002 comes to us from the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan, a historic arena not only in wrestling, but this was the home of the then-defending Stanley Cup champions, the Detroit Red Wings. You know, Sergei Fedorov, Nicholas Lidstrom, Brendan Shanahan, Steve Eiserman, just a team I absolutely despised because they were that damn good. And plus, I was a Leafs fan, and that year uh, they were eliminated by the team that Detroit defeated to win the Stanley Cup. You know, Detroit defeated the Carolina Hurricanes who would then go on to win the Stanley Cup in 2006. But, you know, this ain't a hockey podcast. I can go on about hockey, but (laughs) being a Leafs fan, I do not want to. We had a little vignette start the show based on Ezekiel 25.17. And in the King James Version of that Bible verse, we had, And I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I shall lay my vengeance upon them. And if you're familiar with the movie Pulp Fiction, you'll know that Samuel L. Jackson quotes that very verse. I'm surprised they didn't have Samuel 
do a thing for vengeance, much like the late great Freddie Blasty used to do all the creepy voiceovers. Come on, Samuel, just, you were hot at the time. The Fed and Samuel, because I know Samuel, what movie would he have been filming at this point in time? I don't know. <laughs> but, man, this had a great, I think it was a sellout crowd here, too. So to kick off this event, we had Bubba Ray and Spike Dudley versus Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero in a tables match. Elimination rules. And here we have a radical reunion. Chris Benoit is on pay-per-view for the first time since King of the Ring 2001. Now, and... Like, I don't have to say it, say it right. Yeah, Chris, Chris's name was trending again because somebody talked about him and it made people mad. And then this person had a chat with his son and just... I'm going to put it to you like this. In 2002, Chris Benoit was my favorite wrestler. He no longer is found anywhere in my favorites at all. As a performer, one of the best wrestlers I've ever watched in my entire life. But that night, three people died. Two of them didn't have a choice. So fuck them. I'm going on here as I walk around the eggshells that I just dropped on the floor. Holy crap, th this match was just crazy. We we had half of a reunion of the Radicals. You know, Dean Malenko was a producer at this point. You know, unfortunately, Perry Saturn had just been released from the company around, around this time. So you had half the Radicals and, man... You had some great chain wrestling here starting off where Spike reverses an arm drag from Benoit into one of his own. Solid fundamentals here. Like, Spike doesn't get nearly enough credit for being a good in-ring worker like he is. Thank you very much there, T. <clears throat> Hydrate yourselves when you're podcasting, kids. So, we have a snap suplex by Benoit. Snap suplex by Eddie. Quick tags in and out for the former Radicals. Eddie sucks chance just echoing throughout this arena. And with X-Pac being released at this point in time, uh, someone has to take the brunt of the X-Pac heat. And it was something, it'd be something Eddie would take for, well, actually not much longer because he finally found his niche a little later in the year. I mean, I'm just getting to the start of the SmackDown 6. We're not, we're not far off from... You know, Los Guerreros versus Angle and Benoit versus Ray and Eddie. Like, I can't wait. And, you know, the X-Pac heat goes somewhere else. It just, you know, like the Blitz in How I Met Your Mother, it gets passed on. And if you get that reference, I love you. So Eddie just uh, kicks... I think he KO Spike off the apron here. My note-taking is not that good. Benoit Germans, the the big man, he, he does a nice German suplex on Bubba Dudley. 
They're working over Bubba here. Eddie is setting up a table at ringside. And uh, what's that Murphy's Law thing about tables? I, I don't remember. Is that Dudley's Law? Yeah, it's Dudley's Law now. Yeah, Murphy's Law for tables. <clears throat> Spike dives over the rope onto Eddie by the table, which, you know, that's almost gets a spot there. Bubba Ray with the death the road punches Bebe. He was a smithing a little bionic elbow, if you will. We have a double, a double superplex through the table for Bubba Dudley, but Spike moves it at the last second. The table then is leaned into the corner. Spike is about to get yeeted through it, but Bubba tackles Spike, his own tag team partner, his own little brother, to stop him from going through the table. Interesting save. And then Bubba gets a really big spikingo. That's a back body drop for you non-ruthless aggression podcast listeners. Ding. Nate. To Eddie and a side slam. A Ric Flair flop from the top rope by Eddie. You know, the, the Ric Flair... Go to the top rope spot and gets, you know, a wasop is denied by Spike Dudley, who instead goes for a coup de gras on onto, I believe it was Benoit, the bionic elbow, the wasop is then landed by the Dudleys, the proper wasop, while Reverend Devon looks on backstage and sheds a tear. Spike Get the tables. And then right away, Benoit locks in the cross face. Spike Dudley taps, but there is no tapping out in tables matches. Tables matches, much like there was no crying in baseball. Bubba goes for the senton through the table, but goes through the table himself. He is not put through and is thus not eliminated. And the match still goes on. Okay. Spike Dudley is fighting both of the radicals here. He goes... For the acid drop to Eddie through the table to the outside and connects beautifully. Benoit gets a table. And then press slams Spike Dudley over his head, over the top rope, through the table on the outside. Good God, that was gross. Just Spike Dudley could take could take a beating and keep coming back shit and then in the ring the bubba bomb through the table holy crap how benoit landed after this fucking hell man this match was vicious this match was gross and this match showed me oh man just the two people that are no longer with us in this match like good god the bumps that they took the Dudley boys win. What a match. Backstage, Eric Bischoff wants Triple H. So Coach is interviewing Bischoff here. Oh, that is some mwah, tasty foreshadowing for uh, the, the heel duo that would be on Raw for the next couple years. And, you know, Bischoff looks at this match and says, I am proud of my talent. That is ruthless aggression. Triple H is the most ruthless athlete that I know. And then he finds him 
and he's coaxing him and he sees him going into Steph's office. Hey, I've heard what you had to say. Now I'm going to hear what Steph has to say. I'll make my decision later. Fair enough. He's a fair man. Coming up next for the Cruiserweight Championship, we have Jamie Noble defending against Billy Kidman. Dearly Trailer Park Trash. Just the awesome Trailer Park gimmick that Noble was doing at this point in time. He was, let's just say if I did Fretz's Fay 5 and 02, he probably would have been cracking that list. And lately, Billy has had Jamie's number on tag team matches and non-title matches on SmackDown, as you know, if you've been following along. We have a long lockup, which means we have a long conversation about which restaurant they're eating at tonight and who has to spring for a hotel room and who's taken and who is uh, going to be tipping the waitress. Billy sends Jamie to the outside and they say here, I think Taz was talking about, that Jamie is not a traditional cruiserweight being a ground-based athlete. Jamie throws Nydia into Kidman on the outside as a human shield, single arm DDT on the floor, and then the psychology of this match is working the arm. He locks in the arm bar, which is maybe... Hold number six in the Chris Jericho 1004 holds. And then the Fujiara, which could be, I don't know, 17. A powerbomb was reversed into an X-Factor by Billy, which reminds me of, I think it was Billy Kidman's front finisher in WCW Revenge. I had No Mercy here written down in brackets. I'm like, oh, that's another No Mercy move right there. A super BK bomber, BK bomber, by Billy Kidman results in a kick out by Jamie Noble. The very same move that Billy pinned Jamie with on SmackDown does not get the job done. The shooting star press is denied. We see a tiger bomb and still cruiserweight champion Jamie Noble. Backstage, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman confront Kurt Angle. Ooh, the delicious foreshadowing here. Talking about if Kurt Angle wins, that Brock Lesnar challenges him at SummerSlam. What do you mean, if I win? You could say if about anything. If Detroit made better cards, the economy wouldn't be in the toilet right now. Ooh, Kurt has got some great hindsight here. Or foresight. Yeah, foresight's the word. And then when Paul introduces Kurt to his not-SummerSlam opponent, the next big thing? I'm the next champ, Brock. I'd love to face you. But if you even think of trying me, I'll take you down so fast you won't even know what hit you. Oh, man. Just wait, uh, just wait eight months from now, Kurt. You'll get all the Brock you want. Hey, wait until a year from now because you get that very same rematch in, oh my God, 2003. Man, that's that's the year, dude. That That's the year of SmackDown. Coming up next, we have William Regal versus Jeff Hardy for the European Championship. And 
my goodness, uh, Jeff Hardy as the new European champion here. Uh, William Regal is interviewed after losing the title on Raw, and he breaks down into tears. He starts to cry. And, yeah, William Regal lost the title kind of cleanish here. Uh, Jeff Hardy is wearing that glow-in-the-dark paint. This was when he was starting to get a little bit more charismatic enigma in here, trying to kind of find find his identity, you know, it was the face paint, it was the jumping off stuff, it was having the ladder match with The Undertaker. Whereas his brother Matt was uh, going for a, going for a system upgrade, let's just say. Uh, just, just, just wait until we hit 1.0. Cole and Taz are calling a Raw match, which I find to be kind of strange. And we have a spot here, a sunset flip, Aloha Regal, shout out OSW Review, is denied a sit-down jawbreaker by Jeff Hardy, a whisper in the wind, a swanton bomb, and Regal brings up the knees, and Regal gets a bloody mouth, a half a half Nelson Tazplex by Regal, and then an arm ring is uh, reversed into the deadliest finisher in wrestling history, the roll-up, and still cruiserweight, not cruiser, <clears throat> European champion Jeff hardy and man it's it pains me to say this but this is the last time that the european championship will be defended on pay-per-view on raw not long after this eric bischoff decides to unify the european and intercontinental title bringing an end to five years of a title's lineage, starting off with Davy Boy Smith in Germany and ending with Rob Van Dam somewhere in the United States in 2002. And this was a title I think never really got a fair shake. I mean, it was just another... Ready for the intercontinental scene to the upper mid-tier scene, but someone who was, you know, in the world. This is the final time the European Championship will be defended on pay-per-view. Weeks after this, Eric Bischoff decides to unify the Intercontinental and European Championships, pitting Rob Van Dam against Jeff Hardy to unify the titles. And then eventually, Bischoff unified the Intercontinental to the world title because one show, one champion. And a lineage that started five years ago with Davy Boy Smith in Germany defeating his brother-in-law Owen in one of the best matches of that year ends... Right here. Now, this was a title. I don't know if it ever got a fair shake. It was always, it was always on someone who was either just on the cusp of reaching that upper mid card intercontinental title run, or it was, you know, given to someone who, in the well, I'm stealing a phrase from Tom Campbell in the classic Raw review with Jack Atkins. He's a good end of the mid card.
you know, D'Lo Brown, Val Venus, you know, Kurt Angle, Perry Saturn. It's got an interesting lineage, and you know, I'm kind of sad to see it go. Backstage, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan congratulate Jeff Hardy and uh, Pine over not main eventing WrestleMania 8. Well, they did one of those things, so you can try and take a guess at what it is. Jeff Hardy and Hulk Hogan foreshadow the worst year in TNA history and its worst heel turn. And says that maybe tonight Hulk Hogan will hit a Swanton bomb. And and Ric Flair's like, I can hear I can hear GR calling it now. Hulk Hogan slowly, slowly climbed to the top rope and he flips and falls on his ass. And they have a good laugh about it. And they ask, what is Vince thinking making Eric Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon GMs, dude? Oh, the foreshadowing we are having here. Or the hindshadowing, however that <laughs> term goes. Next up is Chris Jericho versus the pay-per-view debut of John Cena. Right away, Chris Jericho goes for a chair. Cena ducks. Cena uses the chair on Jericho on the outside before the match officially starts off. So I guess that means no DQ? Hmm? Or that wasn't a DQ? Kind of selective rules there, uh, there, Mr. Ref. Cena pit Cena <clears throat> picks apart Cena. Good lord, my note-taking skills are just on pat tonight. Y2J picks apart John Cena, suplexes and whatnot. Jericho goes for the turnbuckle cover. Cena rolls him up. And then, man, I just note here that uh, John Cena is sharing moments with big stars already, like The Undertaker and Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle. And, man, you're you're already seeing that, that WWE sees something big in John Cena. We see Jericho with chops, the breakdown, a.k.a. the stroke, a.k.a. the Elijah experience, a.k.a. the skull-crushing finale. Cena with a really crisp superplex, a tilt-a-whirl slam, a la Brian Adams, a.k.a. Crush, a Brett's Rope dropkick by Jericho, a belly-to-belly -belly suplex by John Cena, a line salt into an Oklahoma roll, into a counterpin by Jericho, that's not enough to put away the future Doctor of Thugonomics, the sleeping neckbreaker that Jericho used as a finisher whose name escapes me, he puts his feet on the ropes, and still, John Cena kicks out. His time is now. Bulldog, Lion Salt. Jericho goes for the walls of Jericho. A roll-up, and John Cena wins. Your time is up. My time is now. You can't see me. Cena's time is now. Backstage, Eric Bischoff waits for Triple H outside of Steph's office and in walks an attorney. Ooh. Interesting development going on here. We hear Boomer Sooner, which means JR and the King are here to call the second hour of Dynamite. Or the second half of this show, 18 years before Dynamite would be invented. Brock... Lesnar, the king, 
of the Ring going up against Rob Van Dam for the Intercontinental title in a rematch from the King of the Ring final. And in that match, Rob Van Dam took the beast to the brink. And he then crashes the King's coronation the next night on Raw. Brock responds with a powerbomb through the announce table and on the stage. And RVD also responds with a Van Terminator, a.k.a. the Coast to Coast, to Paul Heyman. We see a really nice backflip heel kick. Brock is sent to the outside. A crossbody to the outside, and Brock Lesnar catches Rob. Set to the post. Power slam on the floor with an absolutely disgusting thud. Rob Van Dam is countering and outsmarting all of Brock's power spots. And then Brock responds with a gut buster and overhead suplex. And JR says that Paul Heyman is a large hemorrhoid on the lips of life. But aren't hemorrhoids... I mean, I've had... Never mind. Never mind, Jim. Jeez. Rob Van Dam lands on his feet after a backflip spot. And Brock is working on the back of Rob Van Dam with a bear hug, a spine buster into the turnbuckle, an abdominal stretch with chops. A springboard back kick by Rob Van Dam sends the beast on his ass. A twisting leg drop, a Brett's rope sidekick, the rolling thunder, the five-star frog splash, but Lesnar is up. An F5 is reversed into the DDT, five-star frog splash. By Rob Van Dam, the Beast is about to lose his first match. Heyman pulls out the referee, who in this match was Little Nate Charles Robinson, who calls for the disqualification. And then Heyman decks Little Nate, and then Robinson starts pounding him. RBD is a nice tightrope senton to the outside. A Van Terminator is denied. And then Brock Lesnar F5's RVD on the chair. This match was just absolutely insane. This feud was great. I mean, I wish this feud kind of kept going, but we had to get Brock to SummerSlam. We had to get Brock to the title. Backstage again, Steph emerges from her office where Eric Bischoff is still waiting for Triple H. Dude, do you have any manners? Seriously. And he asks Steph, did you get him signed? He signed. And Eric is pissed. It's like, why the hell would you sign a contract with her? What were you thinking? It's like, that was my divorce. And I still haven't made up my mind. Uh, oh, dear. Dear, 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 Bish. Oh, you're in for trouble, Bischoff. We have Big Show versus Booker T in a no-disqualification match. The NWO implodes again. And I'll be honest with you, I skipped a good portion of this match because it was slow it was plotting, it was boring, and it was all, you know, 
Big Show with a single arm powerbomb, a Beal outpowering Booker T. Uh, then, then finally things picked up with Booker T doing a scissors kick through the Spanish announce table. A Big Show choke slam reversed into a low blow, a scissors kick, and then the Houston hangover and Booker wins this shit match. Meanwhile, at not WWE New York, now known as the World, which wouldn't be much more, much longer for this world, pun intended, Tori Wilson and Don Marie arguing over who is going to win this mat- title match, teasing a cat fight. Oh my God, no! We then have a long-winded promo between Triple H, Stephanie, and Eric Bischoff, where this is where. Triple H is going to make his decision. Is it going to be Raw? Is it going to be SmackDown? Is it going to be Sunday Night Heat with Raven's Rules? Is it going to be NWA TNA? Is it going to be the XWF? Is it going to be the WWA? And Triple H here is just talking about nothing. You know, you know I can go to Eric Bischoff and say, screw you. I can go to Steph and say, screw you, but I know she'd like it. And then he's teasing joining both things here, and he's about to join SmackDown until who would come out but Shawn Michaels. The NWO is dead. That only means one thing. I got two words for you. Maybe not. The last thing I want to do is cause trouble. But I said I was going to be the one to bring Triple H home. You know, Kev's hurt. Vince killed the NWO. And X-Pac has has been released. And HBK wants the band back together. You know, I'm a good friend. Blah, blah, blah. This is real tempting, Sean. But... And finally, sorry, Steph. And Triple H joins Raw. Eric is all cocky here. I win. Oh, and the big difference between you and me is that I got testicles. Slap. And... The next night on Raw, oh man, oh man, does it rip my heart out. Oh, just just wait, folks. The podcast after this will be getting into a little bit of that. Rikishi and Booker T and Goldust have thoughts about Triple H here, and they're both kind of different because Rikishi's on SmackDown, and he's like, yeah, I'm let down, and Booker T and Goldust are like, Whatever. And it's kind of funny that Dustin is kind of acting awkward, covering his junk, and kind of giving the shoulder to Terry at this point in time. I think they were actually separated in 02. So it was kind of funny looking back on this one. And Booker T kind of foreshadows WrestleMania 19 with, uh, you know, hey, if he wants to fight me, come get it. And then Cold Dust here is like, Triple H is the game. And we're the one, the ones with joysticks. 
And of course, Booker T just has to uh, finish this moment with, can you dig that? Say it with me, kids. And now the Un-Americans versus Hogan and Edge for the tag team titles. Let's go, Un-Americans. Let's go. Canada. Canada. From Calgary, Alberta and Kitchener, Ontario, respectively, we have the Un-Americans represented by Lance Storm and Christian. And if I could be serious for a minute... I want to use your First Amendment rights to speak freely to you. Hogan has got a lot in common with the USA. You know, he's past his prime, living on his past glory, and so forth. And Christian's like, the sweet smell of freedom is right across the Detroit River, so then we can get the hell out of this evil country. So this match is, of course, getting all the hope spots for the baby faces and the heels gaining the advantage. The big boot behind the ref's back by, by Test. Rikishi then jumps the big man from Oshawa. Spear by Jericho. And just when you think that Hogan and Ned are going to retain here, Chris Jericho hits Edge in the face with the tag team title. And new... Tag Team Champions, the Un-Americans. Oh man, just you all know I you, you know by now that I love the Un-Americans, and I was happy to see Lance Storm get another title in the Fed. Good shit, pal. Good shit. Eric Bischoff is recruiting Kurt Angle. And then Steph vows to be better than Raw. And then we have the triple threat match with Rock, Tanker, and Angle. Kurt Angle is wearing uh, his camo, red, white, and blue tights. And this is just a big old near fall and near tapapalooza. Everyone's finisher, everyone's finisher teased, landed, and whatnot. Again, this was just a good chunk of the match that I fast-forwarded, but eventually we have The Rock with The Rock Bottom on Kurt Angle and is the new undisputed champion going in to SummerSlam. Oh, I can smell what the beast is cooking. So, that has been it for this edition of Fretzelmania and the 20 Bell Salute portion of the show as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fretzelmania. F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast is, of course, on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Be sure to listen to all of our shows, including Brace for Impact with my game-changing good brother, Nate, the effing great, the Kings of the Rings podcast, streaming every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with King, Ricky Rose, Willie T, and the Queen Bee themselves, Agent K. Murphy. And what better way to kick off your weekend than your news of the week with Mr. YLP, Zach of the Young Lions Perspective. Follow us at Addict underscore Wrestle on Twitter. 
join our discord page buy our merch so so much more folks next week we had a trade between raw and smackdown just wait and see what it is stay tuned peeps cheers <laughs>